I am thrilled to introduce to you, many of you know Pastor Neil, but uh, F. Neil and I go way, way back. I don't even know how far back, but we were young then. And uh, we met when he was in Phoenix, Arizona. I was in Texas, Canada. And uh, we struck up a friendship many, many years ago. And uh, the Phoenix Church became a mission church of uh, our church as I went to Nacogdoches. And uh, we've had a long friendship since then. And part of what the Lord blessed us with was starting a camp uh, about 18 years ago, uh, Summer Sanctus for junior high and high school. And when we started, what's that? Caroline's directing me. What? Seventeen. We, 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 didn't we just have our? Did we just have our sixteenth camp or seventeenth? Sixteenth, but we skipped one, so technically this would be seventeenth. All right, because of COVID. Yes, sir. We don't All have right. about that. So <laughs> anyway, we were uh, when we started that, we said uh, we wanted to limit the size of the camp to about fifty, just so we could manage uh, teenagers. And that quickly outgrew that camp. We moved to another camp uh, over in Athens, Texas. We outgrew that camp, and now we moved here. And so now we put a cap on some of Sanctus of 200 students. And there have been other uh, camps spawned off of that camp. There's uh, one in South Carolina, uh, one in North Carolina. I can't remember. Um, up in the Northwest. So other camps in our in the CRUC have started to. Uh, be like Summer Sanctus. And then uh, when we went through a number of years and then as, as students began to graduate from high school, the question was, now what do we do? We want to keep having a camp. So this camp started 10 years ago. And uh, I think the first camp we had, we had 25 uh, people there. And so here we are, and I'm grateful that you came. And I meant it when I said um, this is one of the most encouraging weeks of the year for me. Maybe it's because I'm coming off the holidays and lots of busyness, but really it's because to see you, to see your commitment to Christ, your desire for a Christian life, a Christian future in your uh, future family, your future career, whatever God's calling you to, to take it serious enough to say we want to come apart, particularly as we're starting a new year, to think about the Word of God, to think about our relationship to Christ, to do that with other Christians and to see your uh, desire for that and your enthusiasm for that is extremely encouraging to some of those old guys who've been at this for a while. So with that said, um, I'm extremely pleased to introduce and welcome Pastor Neil to come give our first talk tonight. Again, many of you know him and love him, and if you don't know him, you will love him once you do get to know him. So uh, welcome, Pastor Neil.
Tis the season, and a couple of years ago, I nicknamed Summer Sanctus and Gloria Santa as Petri Dish. So, um, <laughs> anyway, what a joy. It's good to be with you. Let's, let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for life in Jesus Christ, and we do pray that Jesus, who is the Word made flesh, will be real to us this evening as we look into the Word and as we share the Word of life with one another. We pray this in the matchless name of your Son our Savior, in whom we have hope and redemption. Amen. Amen. I'd like to begin by reading a passage from Acts chapter 17. You're welcome to turn there. If you can't turn there, listen again as if it's the very first time. Paul is in Athens and he goes to a place called the Areopagus. I once knew a coffee shop named the Areopagus. Uh, matter of fact, the coffee company was named Areopagus because that's a place where people would go and talk. I think many of you have probably gone to a coffee shop and sat there and talked. Well, anyway, listen to this. This is a very interesting engagement. Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said... Men of Athens, I observe that you are very religious in all respects. For while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. And he made from one every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation that they would seek God and perhaps they might grope for Him and find Him, though He is not far from each one of us. For in Him we live and move and exist, and even some of your own poets have said, for we are His children. Thus far the reading of God's Word, and all of God's children said, Amen. Amen. The title of this talk is The, the Grammar was Horrific. Um, so I'm going to change the title. It's actually this, and this is what I learned from Pastor Ruth. Years ago, when you go to a conference, just, just give a title. You can modify it by the time you get there. And so I've modified it by the time I've gotten here. And uh, anyway, worldliness is not awareness. That's the title. To phrase it another way, worldliness is not ignorance. Now, let me explain. And I'm going to do so in the oddest of all places. This volume, volume one of Peter Lightheart's Commentary on Revelation, chapters one through eleven, was a gift from my wife a number of years ago. A $100 gift. And then... Two months later, my children bought me volume two. Another $100 gift. Uh, I'm still paying them back. 
But the introduction to this volume one commentary is it's so much fun. It's the exact same introduction that, that Peter Reichardt used when he presented these talks in Chicago a number of years ago. Anyway, I'd, I'd like to read the beginning of this. Here we go. At the beginning of The Simpsons, Treehouse of Horror number eight, a censor sits at a desk looking at the camera. He solemnly informs the audience that he has edited the episode to make sure that it is TVG. As he speaks, a disembodied hand holding a sword appears and begins to stab him in the back. With each stab, the rating rises, and when he falls dead, the rating is TV 666. That's all I'm going to What in the world is Peter Lightheart doing referencing The Simpsons? Is that worldly? Worldliness is not awareness. Worldliness is not ignorance. One of my favorite German pastor theologians, Helmut Thielicke, one of his introductions, the person refers to how Helmut Thielicke could refer to James Dean and Abba. Hmm. My father, who heard us back in World War II, would often lay in his bed listening to sermons and he loved listening to sermons from Warren Wearsby, the pastor of Moody Memorial Church in Chicago where he met my mom before they were wed. Warren Wearsby used to quote something called Mad Magazine. Now you, you're probably too young to know about that but some of these, you know about Mad Magazine. We weren't allowed to read that because it was worldly. Being aware of the world around us does not mean that you are worldly. Uh, I worked for over 12 years for an outfit called Price Club, which is now Costco. And I started as an aisle stalker and became the facility maintenance supervisor. And my shift would often begin at 4 a.m. And from 4 a.m. until 9.30 or 10, music was playing. And Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, there's a different station each day of the week. So the KDKB, Rocks Phoenix, Phoenix, Arizona, or Scottsdale, or KUPD with Dave Pratt, the Rebel, that would rock Arizona, then KOOL, which was 50s and 60s music, kind of a, they call them yellow, yellow, quite rightly. Anyway, it's different, and then uh, two years a week was both types of music, country and western, and we'd play that. Anyway, so I listened to a lot of music in those days, it was just pumped in, and I said, hmm, okay, fine. If I happen to cite a music lyric that was pumped into my head from the 1960s or the 1980s, that's not necessarily evidence that I am worldly. 
it's evidence, at the very least, that I have lived in the world. That I might even come out with a Simpsons reference every once in a while. Don't. It may happen. <coughs> the Apostle Paul, when he was preaching in Athens, of all places, refers to other stuff, to non-Christian stuff. He quotes Aratus, a poem, for we are his children. As he's speaking to these people who come from various places at their modern coffee shops to evaluate this and evaluate this and to talk about that, he actually says, you know what, I'm going to talk with you. Matter of fact, I looked at one of your altars. It says, uh, matter of fact, one of your own poets has said, for we are his children. They would have gone, huh. You've read our stuff. You've heard our stuff. Yes. When Paul wrote to Titus, he actually quoted another one of their poets, Epimenides. Something about Cretans or Cretans always being lazy and evil beasts and drunkards. Huh. That's one way to win friends and influence people. Anyway, Paul wrote to Titus to quote the social media of our day assumes an awareness of it on some level. And the social media of our day includes movies and music. This is a recognition of the cultural catechism which is present. To put it another way, this is the amniotic fluid in which our society swims. Now, does this mean that we need to bite everything and swallow whole? No. But what I'd like to do as I try to make this point from Acts 17 and Titus 1, that worldliness, you, you can't say somebody's worldly because they're aware of something over there. The question is, what do you do with what's over there and out there? That's going to be the question. What I'd like to do for the remainder of this brief talk is to mention all kinds of examples of various types of media. I will start highbrow and I will go lowbrow. Um, books, plays, movies, music often reveal us in all of our grit and glory. Or as Pascal would have said, the human condition is marked by greatness and wretchedness, often in the same person. So sometimes you're watching a movie and you're going, I resemble that. Or I long for that. And I'm not that. The gripping throwback to his mother because of the wagon is central to Citizen Kane, probably the greatest movie of all time. And that throwback to his mother and the clamor for recognition and accomplishment is recognized by many. Rosebud. After the suspicious death of his father and the speedy marriage of his mother to Uncle Claudius, Prince Hamlet rightly said because he's going to throw a play to catch his uncle. 
to play is the thing wherein I'll catch the conscience of the king. And sure enough, that's what happened. Sometimes right there during the play. Now, we have become so plastic that we don't want to become undone. We don't ever like being alone with our thoughts. We don't ever like being exposed. Sometimes there is a sound, a song, a musical note, even a smell that catches us unaware and draws us in. I can't experience a single springtime without the smell of baseball in the air. It's the most wonderful time of the year. I can smell it. I cannot enter an elevator and hear the old song with the stupid lyrics, Alligator Lizards in the Air, without being thrown back to 1974 and the desert of Arizona. Just bam, it throws me out. I listened to Pastor Booth's tribute at the memorial service for his mother. And I was immediately thrown back to my father's funeral, my mother's funeral, and the rainy day of her graveside burial. Where the raindrops from the sky peppered my Bible pages in the Gospel of John. We can actually, if we are honest, see some of the depths of our own depravity and our own deceit when we watch Jimmy McGill slipping Jimmy, the con man in Better Call Saul. Not his real name. It is con. Saul Goodman. It's all good, man. It's all good. Deceit, deceit, deceit. You were the first pastor who ever said to me, I've been lied to by the best of them. How many years has it been? Wow. That's a new kind of lie right there. I don't know about you, but it's easy to be rebuked about our own religious hypocrisies, assuming that we're better than other people whenever we read Flannery O'Connor. A good man is hard to find. The one who's always talking is the death dealer because the mouth is a killer. Temple of the Holy Ghost by Flannery. We are pointed to the contrast of the way of nature and the way of grace as we look at Mr. and Mrs. O'Brien in Terrence Malick's incredible movie, Tree of Life. It's a great movie. You turn around one more time on the feast. Contrast is phenomenal. If you become a parent, you'll see the tenacious grip of a dad wanting kids to be just so. 
and the gentle grace of a mother. You look at that character, Jack O'Brien, the only one named in that movie. Why are his initials J-O-B? Why is it that that movie starts with a quote from the book of Job? The reality of lust and passion can be heard in Johnny Cash's song, Ring of Fire. Co-written by his not yet wife, June Carter. Lyrics expressing her concern of being drawn to Johnny, that dangerous, free-spirited, or going to Jackson's sweet-talking man, was. Those who are lonely, and some of you have experienced low voltage loneliness. Some of you may experience steroidal high voltage loneliness in the future. Those who are lonely can identify with the cries of the wild dogs in Toto's song Africa. Now these are oxymoronic lyrics. What? 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 Because those wild dogs cry out in the night longing for some solitary companion. What? But the lonely goes, I, I know that. I want to be both lonely and not lonely. America's lonely people. Three dog night. One is the loneliest number. The Beatles, Eleanor Rigby. Some of the plastic emptiness of finding your identity in stuff or in the 1960s suburbia was mentioned by the monkeys in their song Pleasant Valley Sunday. I will cite some of those lyrics. Another Pleasant Valley Sunday. Charcoal burning everywhere, rows of houses that are all the same, and no one seems to care. Verse 2. See Mrs. Gray, she's proud today because her roses are in bloom. And Mr. Green, he's so serene, he's got a TV in every room. A puncture and a poke at those finding identity and stuff. Coming from a fake band, too. How do you like that? <laughs> The movie Forrest Gump. Great soundtrack. Use Leonard Skinner's, with a Y, song Free Bird to convey the depths of Jenna's despair and her inability to change or turn away from her addictions as she attempted in her heels to climb up on the balcony railing. bird you cannot change. Lord knows I can't change. Lord help me. I can't change. 
Romans chapter 7, the Apostle Paul says, that which I know I'm supposed to do, I don't do. And that which I'm not supposed to do, I do do. My translation. <laughs> You've been there. And sometimes you're sitting there listening, comes over on, on songs, and you're going, yeah, I resemble that, those lyrics. Now, that's our smart scripture. Oh, wait, uh, another one. I can remember uh, going to youth camp and the Eagles album came out. Hotel California, eight track team, back in the bus's plane. <laughs> Mirrors on the ceiling, the pink champagne on ice. And she said, We are all just prisoners here of our own device. And in the master's chamber, they gathered for the feast. They stab it with their steely knives, but they just can't kill the beast. Last thing I remember, I was running for the door. I had to find the passage back to the place I was before. Relax, said the nightman. We are programmed to receive. You can check out anytime you like, but you can never leave. Plenty of room at the Hotel California. Now, as with Act 17, as with Dr. Lightheart, as with Hamlet, as with movies, as with music, these are all, I admit, worldly references. Being aware is not necessarily worldliness. Referencing these may actually hold up a mirror and catch us unawares. Especially when we have dropped our guard. All of this also reveals that this is God's world. And there is a constant borrowing of our God's truth. So the issue is now, and these other pastors will be able to unpack this. And you get to work on this. You want to do with all of this stuff. Because you are inundated. Some of you, to your shame, you actually go seek it and search it out. Well, I'll admit, you are, we are inundated by all kinds of stuff. But you need to recognize the difference between plundering the Egyptians and dumpster diving in Pharaoh's trash. There's a difference. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 says that we are supposed to take every thought captive in obedience to Jesus Christ. We will see that 
We may read, we may read Copeland and go, life after God. What's he saying? He may look at the movie Tree of Life and go, that was whacked. It's not linear. It's not the way I used it. It's like, what's going on? What am I to do with this when it's not a simple linear line? Well, welcome to your next job. What do we do with disappointment, loneliness, deceit? We go to the light of the word and we are also instructed because we're looking at the mirror. We're going, I I am known and I am undone. I'm coming apart at the seams. Pastor Bruce, I think I'm going to stop there. This is the opening. Worldliness does not mean being aware. But what I want you to be aware of is what you do with what you're aware of. Okay? Let me close in prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for your mercies to us. Thank you for the life and the life of Jesus Christ. May we see everything through our desire to be known as servants of Jesus Christ. May we learn and receive your wisdom from above. Forgive us, Lord, for leading upon our own understanding, but may we in all of our ways trust in you and seek you. Lord, shape us into those who bear your name mightily to your glory, not our own. I pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Amen.